Hi, I'm Graham Skipper, and welcome to Draw One Last Breath Horror Podcast. This is America. Don't catch you slipping now. Don't catch you slipping now. Look what I'm whipping now. This is America. Don't catch you slipping now. Don't catch you slipping now. Look what I'm whipping now. This is America. Don't catch you slipping now. Look how I'm living now. Police be tripping now. Yeah, this is America. Guns in my area. I got the strap. I gotta carry him. Yeah, yeah, I'ma go into this. Yeah, yeah, this is Gorilla. Yeah, yeah, I'ma go get the bag. Welcome to Draw One Last Breath Podcast. My name's Matt. And I'm Paul. We, on this episode, are going to be reviewing Terrified from Shudder. We also have a special Something to Scream About interview. And we our movie from The Vault will be Killer Clowns from Out of Space. Yes, Killer Clowns. Mm. Yeah, right. good. Well, we've got to get serious for just a minute. Just a little minute. There's lots of shit. Just wanted to say, from Draw and Last Breath, there's lots of horrible stuff going on in the world at the moment. Um, not only do we have the um, coronavirus to battle with, but now we've got, you know, more death and tyranny and loads of other shit going on in America and the rest of the fucking world. So we just wanted to say that Draw and Last Breath is completely supporting like the Black Lives Matter movement. And uh, we hope that everyone stays safe in all this horribleness that is uh, going on in the world at the moment. It's very, very concerning the amount of uh, videos and footage that's come out and stuff like that. But I think if you want to see it in a nutshell, just go and have a look at John Boyega doing his um, speech because that's quite, quite emotional watching that. But yeah, we, you know, we, we need to have to, we have to acknowledge what's going on outside of this. So we just thought we'd do it first, but you know, you know, we really, really do support it. You know, it's a big part of horror culture, and it always has been, um, and it's always mad to us. Hopefully, it's all get this all gets resolved, and I just hope people, it spurs people to just go and vote, because that's the thing that will make a change. Yeah, educate yourself, people in America, anyone listening from America, educate yourself and uh, go and vote for the right people. All right. Okay, that's politic. That's our politicalness, and we are not political. Yeah. <laughs> let's move on. Yeah, we just hate oppression, right? Okay, okay, let's do this. Let's do this. Let's try and um, I don't know. Let's try and bring this up, shall we? Yeah, Debbie Downer. <laughs> right. Well, it's hard at the moment, isn't it? But but you know, what's been going on? What have you been up to the last couple of weeks? I mean, apart from gluing your fucking eyeballs to the news. Uh, yeah, I've been I've been um kind of like just keeping up with things and kind of looking after the kids and stuff. I haven't really watched a lot on TV, although I have checked out a series on Amazon Prime. I don't know if you've watched it. It's called Upload. Oh, no, I've not seen it. It's, it's, it's kind of got a horror-related bits in it, uh, but it's really cool because each episode is only about 22 minutes long. Um, and the premise of it is a guy literally set in the future and a guy um, gets killed and it's set in the future. So they get an opportunity to either just be left alone and die. And then obviously you see what's happening, what happens or you die and your consciousness gets downloaded 
to um, a destination that you've picked and paid for. Um, and so the, obviously the more money you've got, the better the place you'll go to in the upload. Um, so you're still kind of alive, but it's just your conscious and you're still the same person, but you're in this world where you can literally get anything you want if you've got enough money. So um, this guy goes to a place called Lakeview and it's beautiful and it's got lakes, but there's an undercurrent story running through it because they're trying to find out why he died because there's un- there's like suspicious things going on with his death and stuff like that. So it's quite interesting, but it's done by the same guys as the American Office. Um, so it is a comedy. So it's not like serious, serious, but it's really, really funny. Ooh, I might have to go and check that out then, mate. Dude, you'll, you'll burn through it like so quickly because I've literally got one episode left. I mean... Um, but it's really, really good. It's really lighthearted, especially in times like at the moment. Um, it's got some really, really funny bits and some good characters and great acting throughout. But it has got some horror elements to it as well. And it does get serious at points. Mm, bloody hell. I mean, I've been watching like uh, some hard-hitting dramas. <laughs> Not really horror. Just some hard Wow. Well, um, the Post and uh, Spotlight. And shit like that. Like, you know, it's fucking nuts, man. Oh, no wonder you're on a downer. Well, it's just like so much heavier. No. I did have some lightness, though. I did start watching you know, sci-fi. It's not horror. Fucking Space Force with old Steve Carell. That's, I've um, heard good things about this. Chib- chib me up. John Malkovich is in it as well. It's, it's a good crack, man. Cool. So really, really enjoyed that. And um, I did watch Bliss again. Um, I rechecked it out on Shudder. Oh, love that. It's your second time round fucking brilliant still loved it awesome yeah man it's uh that's 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 been my my last couple of weeks but i and think you're forgetting you had a certain little special celebration last week no i don't know what you're talking about oh okay well i'm gonna spoil it it was his birthday he was 55 years old um no. <laughs> not not 40 yet matt weren't you 40 last year yeah, yeah whatever moving on it's <laughs> all right you're 41 in a couple of weeks bitch <laughs> yes i did I got, I got some nice stuff from it so so thank you matthew for buying me my uh my second um killer clown from outer space funko i've now got jumbo and shorty on the shelves so there's two more out at the moment i can't bloody wait to get them all, all of them but i'm busting to talk about some fucking news Go for it. What you got? Well, going on from what you said about your move, your TV series upload, mm. there is a potential TV series called Upgrade coming by that's the yeah. now. Did you see that? Mm, that's going to be interesting. I think it'll work really well actually because it's quite black mirror-y anyway. Definitely. So it'd be quite interesting to see it in TV form. Um, well, there's, there's so much you could go with it. I mean. I'm watching Snowpiercer at the moment, and I don't think that's living up to the movie one bit. Really? Yeah, even with Jennifer Connelly at the helm. Cool, you've made sh- my mind up then. Cool, thanks. I'm just <laughs> not sure about her supporting cast at the moment. It's just not okay. really... I think it's just not really getting me. I don't know if it's because it's week. I'm watching it weekly or what, um, and I maybe need to just leave it and then come back when they're all out and I give mm-hmm. it a watch, but mm-hmm. I'm not going to watch it week on week now because it's not really grabs me. The mm. concept's there, and the concept's brilliant, but it's 
it's um it's so far removed from the movie from the movie obviously so but upgrade yeah why not you know there's so much there's so many different places you go that with with the the sort of ai and the artificial sort of limbs i know there's nothing that i could remember that's sort of dived into that world mm. so i'd be quite interested to see that no, yeah, it will be interesting. It's like I hope they keep kind of like the same kind of fighting sequences and stuff like that. If they have that sort of thing in it, um, it'd be cool to see that come to light. But let's we'll see bring Gareth Evans on board. Oh, that was my really bad Welsh accent. But you know, he could uh, he could come on. Oh, it's terrible. Sorry, everybody out there. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, okay, so that's uh, that's that one. Edgar Wright's new horror movie, Last Night in Soho. Um, is now releasing in theaters in April 2021. I don't know if Which I mentioned that, that last time, but um, I just I'm, we were really looking forward to that one. So absolutely, this is awesome, and I know you know about this because I saw you posted it on our social media. What is it? Did you watch the trailer for Aqua Slash? Mm. Yeah, of course I do. I don't post things I don't look at. <laughs> we need this in our lives, right? I know. I know. This, this is my sort of I don't know if it's my biggest fear, but it's got me in the ghoulies when I watch the trailer. I, I think I think it's because we've got gooch. well we've got the Oasis near us, and which is free free water slides, isn't it? Yeah. And there was always rumours of like razor blades and stuff like that, and somebody catching their little little testicle sack on the fucking thing. And that was the oh. legend, wasn't it? That that mm. somebody went down without a mat down the uh, the flumes at the water park, and they didn't have a mat and. Uh, ripped their ball bag yeah so to do a movie and a slasher mm. in a fucking um war park wow. this is genius i mean what well, we had piranha I suppose in a, in a in the, i think this is a great idea i'm all for mm. this and the fucking trailer looks great and that yeah you guys need to go and have a check out trailer and you'll know exactly what i mean so aqua slash we will be <laughs> watching that when it comes out um, if it ever comes out yeah <laughs> Uh, another little tiny bit of news. Summer of 84 writers have um, teased their new mystery romance horror film called The Knocking. Ooh, uh, I've not heard about that. Is it, do you think, is it set in the 80s again or? Um, it's got, that's all I got. Okay. Yeah, that's, that is literally, what do you think that was called? Based on the title. The Knocking. The Knocking. Like a knock on the door. A knock on the door, knocking from hell, maybe. Knocking boots. Knocking boots. Paramount. But it's, it says it's a mystery romance horror. That's got to be knocking boots, then, isn't it? Yeah, something, something dodgy there. A bit naughty, a bit like a cherry falls kind of thing. <laughs> um, and just recently, we just had um, the movie. I think it's dropped in America, and I'm trying to find this movie. And if anyone knows where I can watch this in the UK, please tell me, because um, we will be doing this for a future. Um, review uh, for our episode for future episode um there's a movie called becky which has dropped which has got um kevin james playing a fucking i don't know if he's like playing like a bold white supremacist or some kind of gangster i don't know but it looks fucking fucked up and weird and i want to see it so blood it's, it's like being described as blood drenched action and it's man, everybody's like ra- like raving about Kevin James because this is like way out of his comfort zone because he's obviously done nothing but comedy and TV and stuff for his whole career and then come back like a bit like Vince Vaughn kind of come mm. in and done a real serious kind of film like proper gritty film but yeah I'm wow looking forward to it because apparently people are raving about his performance. 
Well, he's not on a segue in this one, so you know, and he's oh. not. He's not right what you got boy oh have you seen the train to Busan posters that just dropped today i have seen them exciting i'm so excited for that movie another one that we will hopefully be covering in future episodes but yeah they they look pretty cool you can see them on our social media on twitter i posted them up um ariasta has apparently uh talked about what's next from him which is going to be a nightmarish comedy that's four hours long (laughs) (laughs) i mean i'm not good i mean i didn't want to see a two and a half hour um scandinavian horror movie which is now three three, which is now three hours hours, which i watch it again so if he wants to put another hour out in my seat i can't go to the cinema i mean the cinema's not there at the moment but, but yeah, nightmarish comedy. We'll see what happens with that. That sounds interesting. And also, if you fancy it when that comes out eventually at the cinema, and you know, when you go to the cinema and you, you, you know your seat's a bit uncomfortable, you could always take along a really nice pillow that Alicat Graphics has said on their website of Midsummer. That was a great segue. <laughs> it's beautiful. It's double sided. Looks great. You could prop your back up. It's like the brightest one. The brightest one he's done, because obviously you know it's so bright. The movie, it's really cool, and there's so much fucking artwork on it. It's still dark. Well, like the elements on the pillow, but it's brilliant. Uh, So yeah, get yourself over there to buy one of those. Next, we've got some obviously unfortunate news that London Film and Comic Con has been put back to November. I didn't didn't even want to bring it up. Oh, okay. I didn't want to bring it up. Why? Just sad. It is sad, but, you know, at least they're trying to still put it on for people, you know, so you never know. It, you know, it's interesting. I mean, it might not still go ahead. I mean, or it might. I don't know. I think it's all still a bit up in the air now, you know, with travel and things. You know, guests might not be able to make it, but it's been put back. So I'm glad they're still trying to put it on. Um, which is fair play to him because, you know, people still want to go to these things and meet up and and do their thing, you know what I mean, even though it is pushed back. And, of course, unfortunately, our beloved Fright Fest has been put back from August till um, October, a weekend in October. We're not 100% sure when. It's normally around Halloween, um, but at least they're still trying to put that on. Um, and we, obviously we understand why, completely understandable. It's just... We're just gutted, obviously, that we won't be able to um, go there in August because it's our normal thing we do, you know, a bit of sun, some beers in the sun, and then going into a dark cinema. But, I mean, this makes sense, you know, Halloween weekend. It's a good time. It might be a bit different, you know. Well, it would be colder. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, it, we actually needed to stay in the cinema instead of outside the front this time, maybe. don't know. Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, uh. um, but, yeah, we, we understand, do you know what I mean? Um and, uh, you know, we wish them all the good luck. But my last bit of news, a bit of positive news to end on, is have you seen the lineup for the For Love of Horror con that happens in, at the end of October? I am. I'm, I haven't. I'm waiting for bated breath for you to tell me. Mate, you're going to flip. So they have just announced, um, obviously, along with people like Tom Atkins... Uh, they've got Tony Todd. Uh, they've just announced Chris Sarandon from uh, Fright Night. 
Wow. Fucking wow. A great pull. Um, That's great. They've also just confirmed Richard Dreyfus. <laughs> I don't know what I'm going to do. What? I can't not go. From Jaws, your favourite film of all time. The main man himself, I Richard freaking Dreyfus. He's the only one out of the three alive. But that's amazing, isn't it? I don't know, man. I, I don't know if I can meet him. I don't know if I can meet him. Well, I've got It's not just... It's I've not George. It's like Close Encounters of a Third Kind. Fucking Piranha. He's in the, wasn't he really original Piranha? The, the, the man's a legend. Um... Yeah, he is a legend. I'm I'm going to meet him because I've got no choice. I've told Geordie Paul I will get an autograph for him. Is Geordie <laughs> so Paul not coming over from Ireland? What I've wanted him to, but he's 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 got a lot on at the moment. So, you know. Oh my god! I but, don't, and they've got the. Have they got the? Have they got the, have they got the cost out? Yeah, it's right. actually reasonable. It's very reasonable for Richard Dreyfus, which I thought was going to be at least a ton, sixty quid. Oh, okay. Which I think is is good. A really nice bit of Jaws artwork with his nice signature across it. They've also got Jeffrey Voorhees there, as the the little kid that dies in the first Jaws movie. He's there as well. The what the the fucking Lilo boy. The young kid, yeah. No fucking way. He's there as well, which is cool. So yeah, they're they're getting some really good guests. They're banging the guests out. There's like they're announcing guests left, right, and centre. It's crazy. I am going to be on the hunt now for some Jaws artwork. I'm going to find me some Jaws artwork. To, for that. It's, that is war-worthy. Mm. Oh, mm. yeah. Without oh, a doubt. It's a legend. That is exciting. I nearly, I nearly got as excited as when I saw him on the British Bake Off, which was insane. Did you know that? Who the fuck was on the British Bake Off? Richard Dreyfuss. Fuck off. I turned it on, and he was on the Celebrity Bake Off in England. <laughs> And I was like, well, there's all these, yeah, all these kind of, you know, comedics and TV stars from England and literally Richard Dreyfus. And I was like, oh, that's not him. Is and he living put, in the UK? I don't know, unless he's a big like Bake Off fan or something where he just got offered a shitload of money. That's but it's so cool. weird. Unless he is living in the UK, maybe. I don't know. That but, is yeah. mint. Mint. Anyway, that's all the news I've got. Mate, that was that that was that was pretty sick news, right? Fucking hell. Right, let's move on to our uh, main review. We've gone a bit different this time. Um, we have both been wanting to see this movie for quite some time now. And we've heard lots of hype about it. We've talked about it. Um, and it is from 2017. But because there's not a hell of a load of things that we want to really review at the moment that are brand brand new, we thought we'd go for this because it's quite interesting. So the movie we are reviewing this week is Terrified, a.k.a. Atredos. So a little synopsis for you before we get started. When strange events occur in a neighbourhood in Buenos Aires, a doctor specialising in the paranormal, her colleague and an ex-police officer decide to investigate further. I mean, fucking hell. Fucking hell. (laughs) 
what a fucking movie. Yeah. I think um I think what I have to say initially is this movie scared the bejesus out of me, scared me to my balls. I got goosebumps, um I got my hair standing on my ends. It um it it's one of those movies that really got me. Um guys, go and watch this in the dark. I dare you. <laughs> okay, on your own. And um, I challenge you not to fucking feel it. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm definitely on the same level as you, mate. It's just like, um, this is our, I think it's our kind of thing, isn't it? Like we are quite um, affected by visual kind of um, supernatural horror um, with like creatures and stuff like that and not seeing it and seeing things that, you don't know what it is and stuff like that. It's right, right where where we kind of fall at, at liking that sort of stuff, and we get drawn into it. Yeah, yeah, we have that. We we we. This is the type of horror movie that I don't tend to watch often because it's the ones that you know. It's the one that will get me. It will get me. It will scare me. And yeah, I'll get suckered in big time. It's not got you know. This and this is this is amazing. It's it's an Argentinian horror, so we're talking subtitles. Um, it's on Shudder uh, now, and I think we recommended it by my uh, by our listener Katie to go and watch it. Um, several different people recommended this, including Matthew. <coughs> <laughs> but yeah, this is um, this has been recommended from a few different places, um, and it's 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 sort of like a dark, paranormal, cross dimension, creepy monster flick. Right, set in a set in the suburbs, set amongst a couple of families who are being tormented by something that we just don't know what the fuck it is. Right, let's get into kind of spoiler territory and, and really dissect this movie now. Yeah, man, because there's a lot to fucking talk about. Mm. Oh my god. Okay. Well, the first ten minutes, that fucking scene in the bathroom. That that was for me. I think the most har- harrowing scene out of the whole movie because it was just like I didn't expect to see that um pretty pretty crazy like come out of nowhere yeah it was right, gen- right geniusly do- geniusly done um I've never seen anything like that like it was like if we watch if we if I'm watching like a paranormal movie this is like a demon if I compare this to say like paranormal activity and like dragged across the fucking gra- ground sort of thing. She she is in the air <laughs> being slammed whilst her husband is watching. Mm-hmm. You know? This isn't like we aren't being there's no airs and graces. No. <laughs> there's just no there's just there's no airs and graces in it. And it, it was really dis- well done. It, it is really well done, but it does disturb me how long he watches her before he tries <laughs> to stop her. It's a bit, a bit concerning. <laughs> He doesn't. I know, and he can't. He can't he do can, anything about it. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's, it's pretty brutal. It's fucking. It's grim. It's, and yeah, I really enjoyed that. And there's there's some little little um, fades in, I suppose, with the um, breathing in the sink and stuff like that. Mm. That was really cleverly done. It was just yeah, it was a nice tone, nice tone, and a nice start for a movie. You know, for well, a fucking brutal start. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. What did you make of the um, the guy next door, Walter? 
Is it Walt? Was it Walter? Yeah, it was. Yeah. So it's kind of it's it's weird because as the the movie goes on, obviously you get kind of a kind of connecting story throughout the the little neighborhood bit, and um, it's just interesting um, because they start off obviously with with what happened, what we just talked about. And then uh, obviously it flashes straight to him in jail, the 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 guy that saw his wife getting battered, because they've obviously pinned it on it. Well, I don't know if it's jail or it's a psychiatric ward. It doesn't. It looked really like say. it looked like a psychiatric ward to me, but I wasn't. Again, I wasn't like you said. I wasn't sure. Yeah, and um, and then obviously it kicks off with with that kind of thing. And uh, you kind of don't know where it's going. And the, the movie kind of centers around a few different characters, really, doesn't it? It's, it centers around a cop um, and then a, some... A detective. Yeah. A paranormal... Investigators? investigators? Is that what they are? Yeah, oh, this yeah. is the thing. You don't know. You don't really know. Really um, they just... They, there seems to be these people that are like... Kind of know a lot about it. <laughs> yeah, and they're looking for it. Mm. Um, and it goes, there's a bit there's a big middle bit which I found very for something that was so that could have taken the pace completely out of the, it did take the pace completely out of the movie um, it was freaking intriguing watching them sort of talk about it um, and you got this oh, you got this horror like that graphic scene with a kid mm. who doesn't enjoy a good someone getting hit by a bus suddenly <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, that that it is think, crazy. Thick pet cemetery, but you see the impact. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's pretty crazy. It's fucking grim. The it kind of like because it starts off with the, with the character Walter. We'll go back to Walter, where he's obviously getting kind of like haunted by all these kind of things going on in his flat, paranormal stuff going on in his in his flat. And and he's trying to contact people to come and help him. That's right, isn't it? Yeah, that's yeah, that's the that's the general. And then he yes. mysteriously kind of like disappears, or while well, we don't know yet, that we'll get onto a bit later. Um, and then we find that because he's connected to the kid that gets killed, because he you kind of see him talk to the child at his door, right? Yeah, but this is after he's had that creepy night where he's tried to video the thing yeah. that's fucking stalking him. And it's like a big, lanky, fucking naked man. Like, if any of you have seen something like Grave Encounters or anything like that, you know, it's something similar. It's like the Slender Man. It's fucking, it just looks creepy. It's all, always made creepier as well when they're naked. <laughs> um. Yeah, that's like in It Follows. It's always creepy when they're naked. <laughs> but it's kind of, it's all connected because it's like, you know, there's the next door neighbours where the guy's just been put away for potentially killing his wife when we, we know that she, he didn't kill her. Then the next door neighbour, Walter, is connected to the child that backs up into the bus. And then that uh, Yano on. isn't, but it's Funes. Funes is like with the mother or something like that, or they yeah, have some this kind of relationship. Comes to the mother uh, of the child that got killed, and it, this is where it comes to one of the weirdest things that you you kind of witness is that the child is dead and buried, 
and you kind of see that they've been to the funeral and then I think it's four days after he's buried he again pet cemetery style turn, turns up at his mum's house but decides to sit at the table and then doesn't move again which is really weird yeah it's just really weird how you just see it that, like you're expecting him to just be gone aren't you but he's still there just eerily sat there the way he sat is just really strange it's the little fucking zombie kid you know with some milk and cookies because i suppose his mum thought maybe he's hungry i don't know oh, i don't know that was fucking fucked up and weird man but again it's like completely shocked me and their little conversation that they had like outside was really intriguing and it's like what is he gonna see in the house i had no idea what he's what he was gonna see in the house i thought you know the mother's gone is the mother gone like do lally or something and he's got they're in the house they're talking and she's like all you know and i was like what are they just about to see and i didn't expect the kid just to be sat there at the table no i didn't i didn't i thought it was going to be like a murder scene or something again yeah but yeah it's interesting i mean obviously the uh the other guy the other cop investigator that comes has obviously witnessed this sort of stuff before wano he's great he was great he's trying to obviously say that you just can't explain what it is so you have to lie Mm. there's no point in trying to tell the the truth of what you've seen or heard because no one will ever believe it so just you might as well just cover it up because he's been sounds like he's been in these situations before you just gotta get the fucking kid back in the grave yeah um then 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 he inadvertently bumps into the paranormal investigator doesn't he yeah which is she's taking pictures taking pictures of walter's house because yeah because he's gone missing yeah um and she's obviously come to investigate because she's had the evidence i don't know how the evidence got to her that's the only one thing i i don't understand is she wasn't going to take the job until she found evidence that he was actually experiencing these things and then suddenly she's there taking photos and she's got some stills of his camera footage unless unless he sent the camera footage well yeah maybe yeah or that's been given to her after it's happened i don't know i don't know but yeah so she gets involved and they decide to do a big old they kind of think it's obviously all connected and then they're going to do a big old ghost hunt or whatever it is they do well it's like you know it is the influence and you know from poltergeist and stuff like that i I feel that is yeah definitely a touch of touch of that felt but, but but we're not dealing with we we I didn't feel we were eventually I didn't feel we were dealing with paranormal the paranormal did you feel it was did you feel that it was it was otherworldly mm. aliens or demons I mean I think what, the way at the way through through the film what they alluded what I took from the film is how they allude to it is that you can't see these things in certain at certain angles you have to be in the right angle and the right light to see these things hence because there's a scene where the investigator cop across the road is is on the phone to the other cop that's in a different house and he's saying oh there's somebody in the window next to the room to you but every so often he'll step to the side and and he's disappeared and he steps into the other side and you can see him again across the street and the same thing happens with one of the investigators finds one of these creatures, which is like a blood-sucking creature that lives under the that's under the bed, 
but you can't see him from one angle, but you can see him at the other angle. It's fucking weird. It's really strange. It's almost like a parallel kind of universe, or I don't know what it is. It's just so strange, but they decide. But it's just weird because there's there's kind of no explanation, is there? It's yeah. It was so no explanation why they're there. No. Um, and what it is and why they're doing it. It's just like whether they're doing it to feed off of people. I don't know, or they're trying to escape from purgatory or something, because there's certain times where you say, where you hear them say, oh, you can still save us, you can still save us, and weird things like that. It's just a really strange, it's so dark. So, it's just, so dark. Yeah, it's a movie full of, like, really dark images, you know, um, and really good use of, like, um, I don't know, uh, the, the way in which the, like, I suppose death and the bodies are sort of like shown um especially when <laughs> suddenly the angle that angle that speaks to me was the fucking when he was in the car and he's, he's he might have just had a heart attack we don't know but suddenly this yeah, thing he had a heart attack, didn't he? Yeah. A heart attack suddenly this thing's running at him from, from and he's not looking at it we can see it and you're like is that a rhino what the fuck is running at him and it's the fucking paranormal investigator turned upside down, inside out, with red fucking hanging off, almost like something out of the thing. The thing, yeah. It's, oh. weird, it's weird because it's clever because I like that because you can see it coming a bit like it follows in the background where you can see it coming, but you can't really mic out what it is, but you can see that something's coming, but you can't quite stop enough to see what it actually is. And so it's really weird. Really strange. Really, really well yeah like, thought out that, shot that, going back to the heart attack thing that that thing that was pretty weird because obviously he witnesses one of the investigators get literally a head smashed against the wall by whatever creature pulls his hand through but then he's on the floor unable to do absolutely any like nothing because he's having a heart attack and all you, again all you see is this kind of blur of a thing kind of coming out towards him you think oh he's a goner man he can't move and then but it doesn't it doesn't kill him for some reason i don't know really what happened to him in the end he did he set fire to himself i don't know what the fuck happened to him it got all very weird and And yeah the end is strange because they said i mean it sounds like i don't think we're giving it a good enough rap because it sounds like we're confused but it's not if you're looking for a film with a massive kind of twist and a obviously a tie-up you wouldn't be listening to this even if you because you would hopefully go and watch it first and then listen to this but you're looking for a film that's going to tie up all the loose ends because i was expecting a massive twist to come out at the end if i was honest like i thought there was going to be something connected to these people to why this situation was happening um and it kind of doesn't go that way it kind of just like carries on you don't really find out where the cop goes or anything and most of them die most yeah and then pretty it's much just, everyone pretty much everyone dies and it's like then you're left in with a rather startling end which was <laughs> which is quite interesting um but all in all like i think it was it was i was very surprised i didn't want to watch it for some reason i thought i think probably because it was like i just thought oh god it's gonna be paranormal it's gonna be another stupid 
um movie with full of clicks and jumps and stupid thing and it wasn't that it was more it was a lot more intelligent than mm-hmm. i than i thought it was going to be and it was really scary it scared the shit out of me and it's really dark and, i was having a look yeah. as well and I, we haven't really watched a lot of like argentinian horror there is there isn't a hell of a lot of it out there which is interesting it's good because it's just like you know they come out with this and that's like that's awesome it's like watching Wreck for the first time. Mm, I yeah, think yeah. It's, like, it's up there. Honestly, guys, it, th- this is up there. and it's, I think it needs to it needs to get a bit of... Uh, director bit of knows what the fuck he's doing, that's for sure. Yeah, I want to see some more from this dude because it's, it's fucking messed up. Some good acting um, and the scares are great. The fucking... Some of the, like, um, special effects and stuff are absolutely brilliant. I, I, I really enjoy. I did. I really enjoyed this one. Really enjoyed this one. Yeah, I enjoyed it. It's really good. It's good yeah. fun. I'm glad we. Uh, I'm glad we got the opportunity to watch it. So I don't know what. I think I would have just left it. The poster wouldn't have got me. I think it, I, I mean, it gets a big curry fate. I've like, heard a lot of people talking about it on other podcasts. That's why I wanted to check it out because I've heard it referred to many a times in being quite a not to use a pun but terrifying film you know well, quite the, harrowing dire- film. the director is damien um rugner so we look for more stuff i could see some i could see that i would have seen this like i imagine this movie would be quite easily fit in at the fright fest that's where i would have thought like it would oh fit. yeah absolutely i mean yeah i mean um it, it obviously is on shudder so it's a bit unobtainable for a lot of people i'd imagine but Definitely, if you've got it, go check it out. Definitely. Go watch this, mother. And fucking shit yourself. <laughs> what what are you what are you think about rating it in terms of rating? I think I'd give it a, a seven breaths out of ten. I would give it an eight. It really stepped up for me. And it, I, I I think any movie that makes me makes my skin crawl, um, then is is right up there. I'm not I was not expecting um to enjoy it that much. Mm. And I'd definitely watch it again because I think there's a lot more to take from it from a second watch. It's, uh, yeah, I'd definitely go with that. Yeah. Yeah, because there's just lots the the antagonist, whatever they are, fucking hell. It could, you know, there's a lot of research could be done on that. They're just mm-hmm. fucking weird, man. It's cool, good little movie. It was an interesting watch. It's nice to see something a bit different. Definitely. Right onto our net move onto our movie. For next time, we don't know. Uh, I got two. <laughs> I don't know, to be honest. I don't know. I don't know. Whatever, whatever, whatever comes out on streaming service that let us. Hopefully that we'll we'll watch the lodge. Maybe um, that looks pretty decent. And Becky looks pretty decent. I I did. I know I did promise. Um, uh, well, I didn't promise, but you know, I was thinking <laughs> about this this blood machines, um, this AI fucking uh, space opera thing. I watched the first 20 minute one. It was, it's de- I'm not going to say it was decent. I just didn't think it was um, some, I don't think it was going to be everyone's cup of tea. It was, um, it was fucking weird. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, definitely if you like heavy metal, um, like the old heavy metal cartoon or something like that, this is fucking right. Then that blood machine to be right up your street. Um, but yeah, anyway, on to our something to scream about. Over to you, Matthew. So we were very lucky again to get hold of um, another interview, another interview special. Um, And this time we have got um, the amazing, awesome 
Mr. Graham Skipper. So I chatted to him a couple of weeks ago. Um, luckily, I could get hold of him in lockdown, which was great. And you might know Graham Skipper from uh, many Joe Bigos movies. Uh, he's in latest VFW and he's uh, also in Bliss. And he's got a couple of his own movies as well. Um, it's great chat. So lo- here we are. Lovely I'll draw one last breath. Um, and and we are very, very it. lucky to have actor, director, producer and screenwriter, Mr. Graham Skipper. How are you doing? Hey, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. No problem. It's great to have you on. It's great to have you on. So how are you at, the, at these strange, strange situations at the moment with isolation? <laughs> yeah, it's super weird. Uh, I'm I'm very lucky to to live with with my wife and my dog, so I have a little bit of company. Um, but we, uh, uh, yeah, it's it's just strange out in the world right now. Uh, just trying to stay creative and keep trying to make stuff and uh, keep trying to look forward to one day when the world gets moving again. Uh, uh, you know, it's funny. I just read the other day. Somebody pointed out that it, right after the Black Plague uh, was the Renaissance. So who knows? Good yeah, luck. Never know. <laughs> yeah. you never know. Um, we're in a world that's uh, very fast paced now. So hopefully we can uh, pick up everything back where we all left off very quickly. <laughs> so, I kind of want to go back a bit with you, if that's all right, um, kind of like to your early days and kind of like, what was it like, kind of life like growing up in like Fort Worth, Texas? Yeah, um, you know, I love Fort Worth. Uh, Texas is a really interesting part of the world. Um, you know, obviously, like, uh, I, I think sort of I, the idea of Texas right now is very sort of mired in politics uh, because of what's going on in the U.S. right now. Um, but you know, the, you know, for me, uh, I, I grew up with very supportive parents that had both, uh, done a lot of theater, um, and were very involved in, uh, like our local community theaters and our regional theaters. Uh, when I was a kid, um, there was uh, quite a large theater in, in Fort Worth that was called, uh, Casa Mignana, uh, and it's still around. Um, and they used to have, um, a pretty extensive, uh, uh, kids theater season um, okay. where they perform for like schools, like schools would come and, you know, bring kids for like a matinee or something on like a school day. Um, and so as a kid, uh, I had the good fortune of getting cast in a lot of those shows. Uh, and so that was really where I like cut my teeth sort of learning about the theater and, and being an actor and, um, you know, and I got to do a couple of commercials and, you know, it's really all thanks to my parents just being very, very supportive and, you know, seeing that I loved it and and wanting to encourage me to, you know, follow whatever dream I wanted. So obviously that was like life growing up. So what is your kind of first ever memory of kind of horror? So I'll tell you, uh, it, it's a very clear memory for me because I so growing up, uh, I had two books uh, when I was a very young child. I had a Universal Monsters pop up book. Um, and, uh, I remember I was really scared of Dracula, uh, cause he had like bloody fangs and stuff. And, but I was really fascinated by it and it was by far my favorite book and I still have it. It's, I think it's in the other room. I, I, I have it somewhere. Um, but then because of my interest in that as a young child, my dad, when I was probably nine or 10, bought me this really large picture book of all of the modern monsters. Okay. So I'd like Freddy and Jason and Leatherface and Pinhead. And um, and I remember and it had like a little synopsis about them and about the movies and kind of what they were about. And I would 
you know, flip through all these pages and look at these really scary pictures. And I was way too scared to actually watch these movies. <laughs> like I was, I didn't, I didn't actually want to watch them, but, but I was fascinated by them. And I remember there was one picture uh, that scared me way more than any other. And it was Reagan from the exorcist. Oh, nice. It was a huge picture of her face terrified me. And so I remember at one point, uh, my thinking was, Okay, I think that I probably will like horror movies, but I'm really way too scared to watch them. Okay. So how am I going to get over this hurdle? And I was like 11 or 12 at the time. And so I went to my dad and I said, Dad, it, this is my thinking, was that if I watched the scariest one first, that all the other ones would be easy to get through. Okay. So I just had to like ripping off a Band-Aid, watch the scariest movie ever made. So I asked him what it was. And he said, The Exorcist. And that tracked with me being terrified of this picture. And I said, fine, let's watch The Exorcist. <laughs> so I was 11 or 12. My parents sat down with me. Uh, we watched The Exorcist. It fucking wrecked me. <laughs> it wrecked me. I'm not surprised. In, I had to sleep in their bedroom that night. I was I, I was like, I was up all night. I was convinced I was going to get possessed. Um, but the, the thing that I came to uh, was that I knew logically that like a director had made this movie and I knew logically that this wasn't real, that these were actors, you know, I, I knew all that, but I couldn't figure out if I know it's not real, how is it still scaring me? You know? Okay. And so the next day I hadn't slept at all that night. And the next day was like a Saturday or a Sunday. And I woke up and I watched that movie four times in a row and I just wanted to understand it. And okay. Totally, by the yeah. end of that, and by the end of the day, I was hooked. You know, I went to my video store guy and I said, I want to watch all the classics. I want to watch. I want to I want to watch. I think I probably said to him, I want to watch Jason and Freddy and Leatherface and Pinhead. Sure. And, and he was like, all right. And so I remember he gave me Hellraiser. He gave me Texas Chainsaw Massacre. He gave me Nightmare on Elm Street. And then he gave me Friday the 13th Part 3. He okay. was like, he was like, start with Part 3. You, you know, you want Jason. This will give you Jason. Sure. Um, and so I had a bunch of my friends over and we marathoned them one night and oh. changed my life, you know? That's it. It's like if I had a time, like a time machine, like that's a night I would go back to. Oh my God. Yeah. Just, and, and, and what was great was that then that opened up the door to go, okay, these are fun. You know, this isn't something to be feared. This is something to look forward to. Um, and, and I've, I've really been hooked ever since. I mean, I, I, that was always immediately where I would go at the video store every every Friday. My mom would take my sister and I after school, and we each got to choose one movie. I got to choose one, my sister got to choose one, and my mom got to choose one for the family to watch. Sure. And I would always just go to the horror section, and my mom, again, they were totally like, watch whatever you want. You know, it's your own fault. Um, <laughs> the, the I'll share another story because I like this story. This illustrates how my mom felt about horror. She was always like, Graham, you're going to get scared. And like, I don't want you running into my bedroom late at night because you're scared. I was like, no, I'll be <laughs> fine. Well, Terminator 2 was coming out and it was playing at our local drive-in theater. And I told my mom, I said, I want to go see Terminator 2. And I mean, I was, this is about that time, right? Because Terminator 2 came out in what, 92, 93? Sure, yeah, yeah. Something like that. So it was around, it was around this time. Maybe it was a year later and it was like running a, a rerun or something. But I said, I want to go see it. And she goes, well, I'll take you, but it's going to be scary. And I said, no, I'll be fine. I'll be fine. So we go. And I guess the scene where T-1000 has the spike arms, you know, and he's climbing up the back of the car. 
Yeah. And I, I freak out and I say, too scary. I want to leave. I want to go. And she turns to me, icy cold, and says, you wanted to come to this movie and I told you it was going to be scary. You're going to watch till the end. <laughs> and she made me stay and we watched to the end. And the great thing was, was, you know, at the end, you see the thumb going down and you, you know, I'm, I'm crying. It's so good. You know, and, and she said, aren't you glad you stayed to the end? Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know? She said, you if you had left, this is what she said to me. She goes, if we had left when you wanted to, then in your mind, that guy was going to be forever going after them with those spike arms. Mm. And you would never see him defeated. You know, you'd never see the conclusion. And so she, and so that's why I, I, I don't I don't know to this day if I've ever walked out of a movie ever. Oh, really? You know, it's just really, it's, it's, and I think it's because of that lesson. It's like, aren't you glad you stayed to the end? Of some movies, I'm not glad I stayed to the end, but, uh, you know, that's a different story. But, but yeah, I, I, you know, I became a fan early on and it's really, again, like my parents were just super supportive and didn't care about what I watched, you know, and sure, they, sure. they were, they'd warn me and they'd say, hey, this, you know, this might fuck you up, but if you really want to watch it, we're not going to stop you. <laughs> uh, so that became my whole childhood was horror movies so um obviously you touched earlier on kind of uh you know from an early age acting uh, but what what kind of made you decide that acting was the path you wanted to go um i think a couple things i mean one you know my my dad was an actor he i was actually born in california and i moved, we moved to texas when i was like one okay. um because that, that's where my parents were from originally but when they were out here, uh, my dad was an actor. He did a lot of soap operas and he did, um, you know, uh, he, he was a, a, a professional actor out here. And and so, you know, moving back to Texas and as I was growing up, he would still, you know, do, uh, you know, he would act in shows. He was in like, uh, you know, an episode of Walker, Texas Ranger. And he was, okay. you know, stuff like that, you know, and, and they would always encourage me to go audition and. And so I think it was a lot of wanting to be like him, frankly, and wanting to, to, to you know, pursue that. Um, but also, I think I just I was good at it and like I enjoyed it. And I just always thought if there's something I enjoy and that I'm good at, then I want to do that. You know, mm-hmm. that should be the thing I want to do. Um, and, and that, that's really how it came about. I mean, I wanted to be an astronaut too, but I was horrible at math. So I was like, well, <laughs> acting it is. So I want to get on to kind of like fast forward a bit and, and talk about, uh, the reanimator musical. Um, I'm really interested to see how you kind of, uh, come up, come about the part of, of that, um, being Herbert West and it's just, it looks so much fun. I've seen the trailer. I've not actually seen it, but I've seen some trailers and it looks so much fun. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, so it's, it's a funny story how all that came about. So I did in, in my, I lived for 10 years in New York city. And while I was there, I, uh, was one of the co-founders of the comedy troupe. And so we did a whole lot of sketch comedy and it was through that, uh, that I met uh, the actor George went and, um, George became a friend and he became a collaborator and, 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 you know, we became pals. And at some point, um, I was on vacation. I was actually in Vegas with my wife. We were there on vacation randomly and he called me and I was like, this is kind of random, you know? So I, I picked up and, and he said, Hey, he said, have you ever heard of a guy named Stuart Gordon? And I said, yeah, of course I have. <laughs> and he goes, have you ever heard of a movie called reanimator? And I go, yeah, of course I have. And he said, well, he said, I'm involved in a staged reading 
of a new musical based on Reanimator, because of course George and Stuart go back many many years, you know, and have done several films together and knew each other back in Chicago during the old theater days, and so uh, George was like, I, I wanted to ask if I could recommend you to play the role of Herbert West because I think you'd be good, and so I said, yeah, of course. He goes, great. Well, Stuart's going to call you in five minutes. <laughs> oh my lord! Like, oh shit! <laughs> you know, I was like, Jordan. Leave the room. Like, I gotta, <laughs> oh my God. Um, wow. And so I spoke to Stuart and uh, he was like, well, auditions are happening in two days. Is there any way for you to get out here to LA, to, you know, to LA? And so basically what I did was I <laughs> sent my wife home on a plane and I rented a car and I drove from Vegas to LA uh-huh. and I stayed the night and I, actually I drove straight to the audition, uh, which was at the composer's house. And I auditioned, and then I stayed the night with George at his place, and then I flew back to New York. Um, wow. And and when on the, it's about a four or five hour drive from Vegas to L.A. And during that drive, I just listened to the music that they sent me over and over again, you know, and and listened to it and tried to learn it, and I learned it as best I could, and you know, it was it was just an audition in a living room, you know, and um, that's really how I got involved, you know. I know that George had shown Stuart and the producer Dean uh, and the composer Mark some of my like sketch comedy stuff that was online, um, and uh, and they liked that, you know. And and of course, once I met Stuart, I I realized that we were very much you know kindred spirits in terms of um, you know the the sort of Gonzo like avant garde like theater that we were into. Sure, um, sure. So yeah, it just it really. It, it it was really just perfect, you know, and and, uh, you know, I got the role and um, we were going to do, you know, we did a reading of it and then I went back to New York and then they said, well, we're going to do a four week run. So I came back out to L.A. and we were a few weeks into that four week run and they said, we're going to extend to six months. And it's at that point that my wife and I said, well, fuck it, let's just move to L.A. and see how it goes. And uh, that's, you know, and here we are eight years later. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I've got to ask you how it was working with Stuart Gordon, because he's an absolute legend in my eyes. Oh yeah, um, I mean, the re- like literally the greatest pleasure of my life, and, and definitely the greatest director I'll I'll ever work with. You know, probably like, you know, the thing about Stuart is that Stuart took chances on unknown people, um, and then trusted them implicitly, mm-hmm. like. He always, you know, I was a nobody, you know, like when he hired me to do this. And like, this is one of the most iconic, you know, roles in horror cinema and and probably his most iconic movie, you know, and hands down. Yeah. And and I and he always treated me like an equal, you know, he always treated me as a collaborator as opposed to, you know, I don't know, like some sort of a dictatorial thing. Like he was always very giving, um, you know, he he really loved the uh I, I you know sort of a, a more communal style of 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 theater where like we would play games before every rehearsal and before every show like Stuart himself ran the light board for almost every show of the run really oh you know? like he was this legend is back there running the lights because he cared about it because he wanted it to be perfect yeah. you know um, you know, the other thing about Stuart that I, I always at, at the time, I, I admit, I, I sometimes found annoying. But in hindsight, it was really, you know, special is that he 
Uh, I mean, he would give us notes. I mean, he gave me a note five minutes before our very last performance. You know, we'd been doing the show for four years, and he came up to me and he said, and he said, hey, mate, can you try this? You know, just try this as a thing. And I said, Stuart, it's the last show. We've been doing this for four years. And he goes, well, yeah, so it's the last time we can try this. Amazing. <laughs> you know? And, like, that's the type of guy he was. The other thing, too, that Stuart was really, really good at is that Stuart, you know, would come up with these ideas and would say, you know, hey, I want you to try, like, for me, it was, I want you to try singing this song upside down. I want to hang you upside down and I want you to sing it. And I would say, Stuart, I, d I can't sing the song upside down. Like, I'm not going to have breath control. I can't, you know, I'm going to, blood's going to rush to my head. I'm going to pass out when I stand up. Like, I can't, no, like, I, I can't sing this upside down. And he would just say, no, I think you can. <laughs> and and I, I would say, Stuart, I can't sing this whole song upside down. You don't know how that works. And he just goes, why don't you just try it? And I tried it. I didn't do it great. I was like, see, I just don't think it's good. He goes, I think you should try it again. And by God, I found out I could sing upside down. <laughs> really? and, and and that's a story that I've heard echoed from lots of people. Um, mm -hmm. That like almost everyone that's worked with Stuart talking about these crazy things that uh, like just last night I was um, doing a, a, a script read with Jonathan Fuller, who played the castle freak in Castle. Okay, yeah, yeah. And he was talking about he used to do theater back with Stuart back in the in the 70s in Chicago. And he was saying that, you know, they did a show together and I forget what it was, but it was something to the effect of he told Jonathan to sprint across the stage and then do like a front handspring off of like a bull prop that was on the stage. Right. And he was like, I can't do that. I'm going to break my neck. And it was again where Stuart was like, no, I think you can do that. I think you can do that. And lo and behold, he did it and it worked and it was great, you know. And so Stuart was a very quiet man and a very, very kind man and a very giving man. Um, and and artistically, he was very collaborative. But when he knew what he wanted, he knew what he wanted. And he he and he never he never really pushed you past where you could go. But he he was the one to tell you where you could go okay, and okay. and then you could get there. Um you know, and he, I was very lucky. I mean, Stuart became a lasting friend and, you know, I saw him just like two months ago for lunch. Um, we would have lunch about once a month and, um, he became a very, a very close friend and, and, you know, a, a continued mentor. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm very, very sad that he's passed and, and I'm, but I'm very glad that people are now sort of rediscovering his work and our, our, um, you know, especially his theatrical work. Like that's, if there's anything that anybody that's listening to this that doesn't realize about his work in, in Chicago in the theater, um, it really go like, like looks, look that stuff up. I mean, the Chicago Tribune did an amazing article about it. He, I mean, he's, you know, part of the reason why we know the name David Mamet, you know, he's, he, he's part of the reason why there's even a Chicago theater scene at all now. Mm -hmm. um, and, and he, he was really one of the main innovators of, of that theatrical scene and, and, um, you know, launched the careers of like Joe Montaigne, you know, and Dennis Franz and, and all these, you know, and of course, you know, then later like Jeffrey Combs and Barbara, all because he could see something in people. And, and he, he, he was such a champion of, of people whose, whose work he admired and, and people that he, uh, you know, that, that he worked with, he, he really built a community and, and I was very, very lucky to, to have found myself, eventually a part of that community definitely a huge loss really really sad yeah. but definitely you're right i just hope people do go out and 
and watch his material and find out about that stuff because it will live on and it'll just it'll just keep going because it's that sort of stuff yeah so i kind of wanted to ask you a question you obviously started out as an actor um and obviously you transitioned to writing and directing how was that transition from being an actor to writing and directing yeah you know um i mean i love acting uh but a major part of acting that's very frustrating is that you're sort of always waiting for the phone to ring. Like you can go out and audition for stuff, but ultimately it's just waiting for other people to give you jobs. Um, and, and so, and, and on top of that, I've always really enjoyed writing. Um, and I, I write a lot. Uh, and, and I had, I knew I had stories to tell. And so at a certain point, um, you know, I, I had just sort of for fun written, written the script for sequence break okay and and i really liked it a lot uh and then um i i have a, an aunt and uncle uh, that live out here in la that are are both actors and and you know theater veterans and and they basically came to me and and they said hey you know like we're thinking of wanting to get into producing an independent film like do you have a film that you'd want to produce I mean, like the most perfect scenario ever, right? And, oh yeah. <laughs> oh, and so I gave them sequence break, and they loved it, you know. And and then something like six weeks later, we were filming. It was crazy. Wow. Um, and you know, I, I really just, I think that I, I really just felt the value of wanting to tell my own stories and wanting to, at the time, really just like test those waters mm-hmm. and do the best job that I could. And and you know, if that was the only movie I'd ever make you know, have it end up being something I'm really proud of. And I did this and, you know, now I'm going to go back to acting or whatever, you know, but as I was doing it, I just went again, it was a thing of going, I think I'm good at this. And, and I really love working with actors as a director. Um, and, and, and that's really how it started. You know, uh, uh, I'm, I'm super proud of sequence break. And I mean, of course, making a movie is very, very difficult. That was an extremely, uh, uh, fortuitous uh, sort of way to start so you know I'd love to make another one but but yeah that's really you know it was just a matter of wanting to tell my own stories and be a little bit more in control of my destiny well, we we absolutely love sequence break I thought it was fantastic thank uh, you yeah I, I love the 80s feel running through it it's just like the whole kind of like arcade games and the body horror uh, is just brilliant. It's just like, I absolutely loved it. I've got to ask you a question. I did see, was w- one of the arcade games, was it Outrun? Possibly. Uh, I'm trying to... back and I was like, I'm sure that's Outrun. I love that game. I'm trying to think. Yeah, so what we did was we, we uh, rented a whole bunch of games from a local spot here in LA and we, you know, then put like fake titles on each of them. Ah, right, okay. Uh, but I can't remember if one of them was it actually it kind of looked, outrun it kind of looked like it was obscured by some paper like it was like it might have been just covered up or something like yeah. that yeah maybe, maybe. yeah it was, it was those were really fun days because like we only had the whole arcade for like two or three days oh, really? we we're trying to save money and so we rented all of the you know all of the games that was in like that one room where we had all of them working at the same time we rented all of those for like only two days and so then we shot everything in there you know when we had them but those days were super fun because of course on like lunch break or whatever everybody would just go and play games um uh, that was really fun and uh, it is is a great movie and and that is actually on shudder as an exclusive at the moment and i love the fact that you've got the commentary on there as well the options thanks that was important to me 
yeah just the, just the film is just great because it just it gives me that kind of feel with um kind of last Starfighter, tron kind of even the back to the future references is fantastic i loved it really thank cool. you very much thank you so i'd like to ask you a bit about kind of like how you got the part of seth uh in almost human yeah um so uh going back to Stuart, and this is going to be the theme of this episode i think is all roads lead back to Stuart gordon mm-hmm. um so Joe Begus uh, was Stewart's personal assistant um, mm. and was the stage manager for Reanimator the Musical. All right. Okay. And so that's how I met Joe. Um, the first day I met Joe was on that audition. I walked in and Joe was the one that like handed me the sheet music. And uh, yeah, and then Joe was the stage manager. So Joe was responsible for, you know, setting all the props and, and uh, he you know, was, was in charge of like the blood cannon that, that I controlled during the show. Um, and we became fast friends, you know, and, and we just really got along. And I I remember, you know, coming into this, I always thought like, like at my college, like I thought I was hot shit with like my horror knowledge, you know? And so I rolled up to Joe Begas and I said, you know, I, 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 I remember saying to him, you know, something to the effect of, Oh yeah, yeah, you like horror. Well, have you ever heard of a movie called Suspiria? <laughs> like laughed in my face. He laughed in my face, oh, and wow. he and he was like, "I'm gonna bring you two movies tomorrow, and I'm gonna really show you horror." And he he said, "I want you to double feature these tonight." And he brought me Inside and Irreversible. Oh wow! <laughs> now that's so, two movies. That's that's a hard hit in two movies. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I did I did a double bill of those, and I went, "I have a lot of learning to do." Um, <laughs> So I, uh, uh, so Joe really got, you know, we really enjoyed talking about all that stuff. And, um, and, and, you know, when he wrote Almost Human, uh, I, I remember he came to me and said, you know, hey, you know, we don't really have any money, but I wrote this role for you. You know, do you want to come out to Rhode Island for three weeks and, and film this and be the lead? And I mean, all I'd wanted to do was be the lead in horror movies, mm-hmm. you know? And, and so, of course, I jumped at the chance and said yes. And, it was, you know, one of the best months of my life. It was great. Obviously, that kind of moved on to Mind's Eye, where you uh, was a producer on that one as well. So was that just a kind of thing where you called up and said, hey, I've got another movie? What was the deal with that? Yeah, I mean, you know, Joe and I talk all the time, you know, and, and he was mentioning this movie that he wanted to make and that he wanted me to be the lead in again. And, and I read the script and I just fucking loved it. I thought it was so cool. Um, and then, uh, you know, at the time, Joe... I think was just having difficulty raising money for it, which is baffling to me because, you know, almost human played Tiff and was like this big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but anyway, he was having difficulty raising money for it. And so I jumped in on that and helped raise, help put some money together, you know, and, and uh, uh, just because I wanted to see the movie happen, um, you know, and so that's how we, that that's, that's how it happened. And that's why I'm a producer on it. It's, it's fa- another fantastic movie. Um, I love the whole feel of the kind of, it, I'm a massive Scanners fan. So to see this was like, oh my God, this is like my dream. It's like, it's so cool. It's just Thanks. so good to see some more kind of movies like that. I just loved it. And and obviously that that led on to then Bliss, which, yeah. wow, what, what a movie. Uh, I just literally, uh, we were very, very lucky to watch that at, at Fright Fest and it just blew us away. Absolutely amazing. Can you tell me a bit about a bit about Bliss and how how that yeah. kind of Yeah, I mean Bliss again, you know, was one of those projects where I knew that I knew that Joe was trying to make a film. 
uh, and and I I read like I think a synopsis about it. Like he'd sort of told me about it. Um, and again, it was a situation where uh, the same producers that produced Sequence Break, you know, they came to me and they were like, "Do you have another film?" And I didn't really have anything that was like in the same budget area that we were kind of looking at, or I didn't have anything really ready to go. But I said, you know, I know that Joe has something and I think, you know, and, and Joe's a slam dunk, like maybe talk to him. And so again, it was like connecting them. Uh, they liked the script, you know, and they liked Joe and, and uh, everybody, you know, was getting along and wanted to work together. And, and it really, um, you know, that, that's really how it all kind of coalesced, you know? And, and then once we got started filming, you know, Bliss was really like a down and dirty kind of shoot. Sure. Um, and and so it was, you know, all hands on deck, you know, everybody be there every day, you know, helping out. doing. I mean, I did catering on it for half the shoot. Oh. Like, you know, it's just it's sort of one of those things where on a Joe Bega set, because Joe is always the first one to be like, you know, he's always the first one to get dirty. You know, he's always the first one to jump in and do something that nobody else wants to do. He's like one of the hardest working guys I've ever met in my life. Um, and, and so it's inspirational to everybody else, you know, that we all want to jump in and we all want to be a part of this. I think that from like all these movies, that's the kind of connection that I get. And I think I feel more kind of connected. Um, it's kind of like you're a kind of group of people that are really close connected and you work really well together with obviously yourself, Joe Bigos, Josh Josh Eva. Um, it just, it just seems like you have this kind of connection that makes it all a kind of just work um which i find uh in these days and times is is obviously all these big budget movies around and all these franchises and having this kind of group that seems to kind of gel and work together and i think like you hit the nail on the head with the kind of like the fact that you do everything um i think that you can see this in the movies and it comes across that you're very close knit and you can kind of work together and it just works. It's just fantastic. Thanks. Yeah. I mean, you know, and again, I think I want to credit Stuart Gordon a little bit for that because that was a thing that he really did. You know, he, he worked with all the same people Mm. throughout his entire career. And that was really something that I think helped him to make his films as good as they are, is that he, he just surrounded himself with people that he trusted, you know? And, And I think that comes a lot too from him, running a theater company where it is, you know, everybody is cast in the same, you know, shows and you work with each other a lot. And it's the same thing with Joe. I mean, Joe, you know, once he gets somebody involved in a film that he likes and that, you know, works well with him and works with that vibe, I mean, he's going to keep working with them on everything. You know, Mm -hmm. I'm very lucky again that like, I mean, Joe is one of my best friends, you know, and, and, and we, we have a, a really great shorthand now and, not that we haven't ever had our squabbles or whatever, but like, you know, we, we understand each other and we understand that, that sort of uh, workflow that you have to have when you're making a film. Um, and I think it's just, it, it benefits everybody. It benefits the film as a whole. If everyone is, is, uh, you know, on the same page from the start. Excellent. Yeah. I get you. <clears throat> and then obviously most recent VFW. Wow. Yeah. What a movie. Oh, wow. <laughs> uh i was um kind of i was just i wanted to ask you about the scene obviously involving yourself <laughs> which i was shocked at and i was gutted as well i was just like oh no um, <laughs> but that scene must have been so much fun shooting i mean what was like what was that like doing 
Oh yeah, I mean that that whole the whole film was amazing, and like getting to be there for that you know for that shoot, and like get to meet those legends, and just be in the same room, and I mean it was just incredible. Yeah, that scene was really fun. Uh, you know, I just I remember like, you know, one the first like the scene itself where like I'm in this room with all of these legendary actors, you know, <laughs> and I've got like two lines. I'm like saying no, no, but I'm going don't break the lines, you know, don't fuck it up, um, you know, and just trying to like up your game immediately, you know, and, and be, you know, do the best job you possibly can, even if the role, you know, is, is, you know, limited, you know, it's like, it just, it's, it's, there's so much energy on a set like that when you have such pros, you know, and then for the effect itself, I mean, that's, you know, all Josh and Sierra Russell, you know, building this incredible head. Um, They've had that head since I want to say it was, yeah, it was made for a movie called The Devil's Dolls, directed by Patrick Reynolds. Yep. And, and that's when they made that head. And so anytime in one of my, uh, in a, a movie, when, like, my head gets blown up or something, it's that same head. They're like, uh, bring out the Graham Skipper head. Yeah, bring out the Graham head. I honestly <laughs> think that there are maybe some movies that I've been cast in purely because they don't have to spend money on a new head. Um, <laughs> But yeah, yeah, I mean, they just, you know, they're, Josh and Sierra Russell are masters, you know, and, and um, it was just, it was fun. It was like, I, I really liked being, you know, sort of the, you know, one of the first big deaths. Um, it, it, that's always something I've always wanted to do. Well, that, you know? what a death as well. It's just like, it was so kind of like out of the blue and shocking. It was just like, whoa, it was just like, that's awesome. <laughs> And it kind of kicks it off as well. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it uh, yeah, it was, it was really cool. I was really lucky to, to get to be a part of that. And you know, the whole Fangoria team was just amazing to work with and get to like be on a Fangoria set and like work with that company in particular was just really special. Um, so it's so a really a special shoot. And I mean, I think the movie's fucking awesome. Uh, you know, it, it played in, it played in cinemas here, and and I got to go and like see it on the big screen a couple times, and that's just so fun. You know, it's so fun. Oh, it's a t- it's a thrill ride, absolutely brilliant. Unfortunately, we didn't get treated to it at the theaters over here, but I managed to um, get a copy. So that's great. It's so good. Um, I kind of want to talk to you about uh, a little bit about Fright Fest because obviously you're no stranger to Fright Fest. So you've been there with uh, Beyond the Gates in 2016, Sequence Break in 2017, and then Bliss in 2019. So how how do you enjoy like Fright Fest, and and what does it mean to you? Yeah, um, you know, Fright Fest is is really like I, I want to say that I feel like Fright Fest is my home festival. Like it's one of those places and one of those events where I really can't imagine not being there for a year. You know, like I I've been there four years in a row. Of course, who knows what's going to happen this year? You know, but I I just it, there's something about the people and about the community that even though it's a big festival, everybody knows each other. Um, the people are so kind and are such fans, you know, and, and, you know, that's different from a lot of festivals here. I mean, there's some amazing festivals here that I've been very, very lucky to attend and be part of, but there's something about the Fright Fest family, um, you know, and, and, uh, you know, of course, Paul and Alan and Ian and, uh, and Greg, you know, that, that are just so welcoming and, and, and just the fact that like, from the minute you step into that, into, you know, the, the Leicester Square cinema, it's like, you just know, it's it's just nothing but love for all of these films and everybody wants you to succeed, you know, and everybody wants to like really shine a light on these horror films that, you know, I mean, let's face it, like 
we all, I imagine to an extent grew up as kind of the weirdo kid that, mm. that, you know, had, had trouble finding those people that wanted to watch these kinds of movies with them. And I feel like Fright Fest is all those weirdo kids together finally getting to, you know, getting to be the cool kids and getting to like, look at all this cool shit that we all love and yeah. together. And then we go to the Imperial and have a pint, you know, it's, it's like, it's the best time ever. Um, and I, uh, you know, I, 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 I cherish it dearly and I cherish those guys and, and just how supportive they've been in my career, you know, and, and, uh, you know, that's, that's obviously just a, such a major part of it is, is, is knowing that, you know, like we all work so hard to make these movies and it's so difficult to make a film, um, you know, but then having guys like Paul and Alan and Ian and Greg, like be supportive of that work and, and want to, you know, put it in front of, uh, of you know, in front of as big a crowd as possible and on as nice a screen as possible, um, you know, is, is, uh, is just really a gift to the horror community. Um, I love Fright Fest so much, uh, and and I I you know I've, I've gone four years in a row, and I'm I'm hoping to continue that streak uh, mm-hmm. in whatever duration Fright Fest happens happens next. Yeah, fingers crossed. I mean, we we've been for the last about six years, and um, you're right. It's just a, it's just such a special place, and we were welcomed with open arms, and ever since we've gone every year, and it's just it's just great. It's a place where you can just relax and be yourself, and and just have a, like you said, have a beer. And it's like, you've got yeah. directors and actors and producers and writers just all walking around and just chatting. And it's just great atmosphere. So throughout your career so far, what would you say has been your biggest achievement? Um, I mean, honestly, probably, probably Herbert West, you know, that was, that was such an important, I mean, I don't know if, I, who knows what biggest achievement necessarily means really, but like I, for me, professionally like i think when i you know when i die like on my tombstone you know is like he got he he played herbert west and reanimated the musical um you know he worked with Stuart gordon uh that that just it feels to me like a very um important you know important moment for me i i do think that like like the most rewarding shoot i was ever on was definitely the mind's eye um, and I, I really am so glad that you liked that film. You know, I, we, that was a really tough shoot, uh, just because of the conditions that we were in. And it was also such a, uh, uh, such a, a big script, you know, that to shoot it on the budget that we had, you know, it was again, like everybody really had to put their bodies on the line. And, you know, I'm just so proud of what we put together and what I did in that and my performance in that, that, um, you know, I think that's another thing I'd say is. Uh, just the, the mind's eye, just getting that finished and 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 that that whole project. Uh, I'm I'm very very proud of that. So, kind of, I, I kind of want to finish off a little bit now and kind of find out what's next with you, and what, what's what's kind of coming up because I've read a few things on IMDb. Yeah, um, yeah. So this past summer, I filmed a movie uh, that I'm an actor in called Mystery Spot. Um, it's a really cool film. It's it's sort of a, a Twilight Zoney. Um, a film about about a bunch of lost souls at a motel in the middle of nowhere, Texas. Um, uh, I'm in it with uh, Lisa Wilcox uh, from Nightmare on Elm Street four and five. Nice. Um, so we got to work closely together, and that was amazing. Um, again, it was the same producers of Sequence Break uh, that that produced it, and um, and actually my first AD from Sequence Break, Mel House, uh, he is the uh, uh, the director of this one. So it was really a bit of a Sequence Break reunion. 
really, really cool script, uh, really beautiful little film. I'm very proud of my work in it. Um, I don't know anything about, you know, release plans or anything for that, but um, that'll definitely be coming out. And, and yeah, and then I've, I've <laughs> funnily enough, about a year ago, I started a new business out here in L.A., um, based in L.A., uh, called the Rated R Horror Speakeasy. And it's a, uh, it's, it's, uh, we call it a pop-up bar, but it's more like a, uh, a horror party, um, that we, uh, until this pandemic hit, uh, did about every six weeks. And, you know, basically what it is, it's, it's a, a big warehouse party where we have roaming monsters. We show horror films on the big screen. We have a full bar. Uh, we have a full horror themed arcade, um, with horror pinball, horror arcade machines, um, we have an art walk of, uh, of of local horror artists that are selling their stuff and displaying their work. Um, really cool. Um, we uh, we work with a nonprofit organization uh, called Artistic Evolution uh, that supports art and artists, um, and uh, and so we're really happy to to work with them to to just you know try to get try to get more independent artists uh, stuff out in the world so that people can see it and people can share it and people can you know hopefully purchase some stuff and help keep these artists you know uh living from their passion but yeah it's really fun i mean we also have we have aerial bartenders so like our bartenders that hang from the ceiling that serve you drinks from overhead we have like hidden rooms like little hidden like there's a hidden vhs lounge where we have a tv set up with a vcr and you just kind of put on whatever you want so it's it's really fun uh, you enter through a haunted house when you walk in you walk in through like a, a maze with monster actors scaring you um it's really it sounds, really fun it sounds yeah. like my dream <laughs> it's, it's amazing um so yeah right now what we're doing throughout the the this you know weird time that we're in is we're we're doing some virtual dance parties you know we're, we're live streaming some on on YouTube where like basically we'll have like a zoom meeting and, and have, um, you know, like our, our DJ is Jonah Ray. And, uh, so he'll DJ music. And then we've got, there's a group out here in LA called cinematic void and they do amazing like mashups of horror movie clips. And so we have that going and then we have just, you know, various like horror stars and horror people that will kind of show up and dance for a while. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's, it's really fun. And so we're trying to do that for the time being, uh, you know, until we kind of figure out when we're going to be able to get together and celebrate again. Um, but that's something I'm very passionate about. And if people want to follow it, uh, rated our horror speakeasy.com is all the information. We got a newsletter and we're on Facebook at rated our horror speakeasy. And uh, uh, so people can kind of follow it there and, you know, maybe watch along at some of these. I, I think for you guys out in the UK, I think it's like probably, you know, 4 a.m. or something your time. But if you want to start out the day right with a, a weird uh, horror dance party, why not? Yeah. <laughs> why not <laughs> sounds great sounds great so any any more ideas that you might be doing any more writing or directing yeah definitely always working on stuff you know right now this um uh i've got a few few projects that are sort of slow going uh obviously things have been way slowed down uh right now um but you know i'm just trying to use this time while we're all kind of stuck at home to keep writing new material coming up with new ideas and just getting things ready to go for when we're able to start making movies again and make some more awesome stuff that I can then bring to Fright Fest and we can we can oh, have yeah. a fight at the Imperial until this whole thing blows over. Oh, yeah. To the words straight out of my mouth. <laughs> That's brilliant. Uh, Graham, where can people find you on social media? Um, best place is probably on Twitter, at Graham Skipper. Um, I'm on there all the time blabbing about stuff. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, you know, one thing I'll point people towards uh, is... Uh, 
there's a group called Scripts Gone Wild, uh, like a like a screenplay, so like a script gone wild. And it's um, uh, a group for charity that I participate in a lot. And last night uh, we did a live uh, Zoom reading that was then streamed on YouTube of From Beyond. Um, and uh, Barbara Crampton came back and reprised her role from the original film. Um, Jonathan Fuller, the Castle Freak, he read Dr. Pretorius. Uh, I got to read Crawford Tillingast. Um, and uh, uh, we had Chris McKenna from King of the Ants was in it. We had a whole bunch of people in it. Oh, um, that sounds uh, awesome. And so um, it was super, super fun. Uh, so I would definitely recommend people go to their YouTube page, which I think if you just Google uh, Scripts Gone Wild, um, or I think it's I think scriptsgonewild.com is also their website. Go there, check it out. I mean, if you're a horror fan, it's super fun. Um, and what they do is basically they do these drunken live script reads where there's a, 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 a drinking game involved where the audience, in this case, it's normally we do it live, but in this case, it's on Twitter, where Twitter has decided two words that will be the drinking words, where whenever they're spoken by a character. So like last night, the two words were Crawford and Resonator. So anytime somebody said Crawford or Resonator, we all had to drink. Um, and and then also if you if you mess up a line, like if you flub something, then you also have to drink then. Um, but it's really fun. It's very silly. We honored Stuart last night with that. But like the week before we did, we did uh, Friday the 13th Part 6, Jason Lives. Um, they do a lot of great horror stuff on there, as well as other stuff. I think next week they're doing they're doing Stripes, uh, the comedy Stripes. Yeah, yeah. Lots of stuff for everybody, and I just can't recommend it enough, you know, and they, they archive them so you can watch them whenever. Uh, but that's just on my mind, and that's something that I'm also participating in from time to time, and I just, uh, they're all, they always uh, highlight a specific charity uh, that people can go donate to, um, you know, so last night it was to benefit Doctors Without Borders, um, and so it's a good cause, it's a fun time, you get to drink, listen to horror movie stuff. I bet it gets messy as well. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean... Yeah, it, it gets rough. It gets rough. <laughs> Graham, I can't thank you enough for coming on. It's, it's been fantastic talking to you. Um, and we're going to support you and everything you do. And people should go out there and check out your content because it's definitely worth checking. And we really do look forward to seeing what you've got to come next. But thank Thanks you so much for coming on. Thank you. Um, this is a real, a real pleasure. This is a really fun time. And love to come back anytime. And I just appreciate you and everybody that's been so supportive. You know, it's like, I live such a, a dream life right now and it's all thanks to, you know, you guys that, that are supporting all this like weird, cool stuff that we're doing. So thank you. And, uh, you know, uh, whenever we're back at the Imperial, come find me and we'll, we'll drink together. Definitely. You've got it. Fucking dude. I, I, I love that. I mean, he was great in, um, VFW and really, really cool in bliss. So I am so pleased that you got to talk to him and fucking what a really nice guy. What yeah, great movie! Well, all the movies that we just chatted about, they're, they're on, you know, um, various. Uh, his actual own movie is on Shudder at the moment, so go check it out. And um, there's, you know, he's done Sequence Break as well, which is a great movie. Um, they're really, really good, cool movies. Just go and check out his stuff, and he's got a lot going on, as you as you heard in the interview. But yeah, it's great to chat to him. We'd love to have him on again sometime busy boy thanks uh thanks matthew and thank you graham for being on uh draw one last breath so let's move on to our movie from the vault
Okay, so this episode's move from the vault is the 1988 Killer Clowns from Out- Outer Space. We get to experience Slim, Jumbo, Shorty, Spiky once again, directed by the lovely Stephen Cheeto and, and, and amongst that of it, the Cheeto Chiodo brothers, as it were, produ- you know, pr- producing this absolute beaut, this cult classic. Um, basically, a group of clowns fucking about in little town throwing candy floss at people you know and other shit and other shit popcorn fucking jack-in-the-boxes fucking this this is epic spoiler alert we're gonna spoil the shit out of this (laughs) hell yeah this is rated 12 matthew this is the first thing i'd like to talk about with you is the fact that i forgot can we just talk about our first moment when we watched this film before we go into the 12th stipulation <laughs> the first moment I watched this movie was with you. Yeah, you brought it around my house on DVD. I don't know why. I I, I think I don't know when it was. I think I can't remember when it was. It was only like maybe less than ten years ago that we got to we we sort of jumped on the bandwagon of this movie. Um, and I think it was just I, I don't know where it, I think I started seeing it on social media again. I started seeing this weird title and the weird clowns, and I'm just like, fucking hell, why haven't I seen this? This is like right up our street. And I was like, Matt is going to hate this. I'm going to have to fucking like get him involved. Because um, it just had B movie written all over it. And I was like, why haven't I seen this? And I've got the worst, the worst copy of this movie. I'm, well, maybe it's a D, it's basically a VHS, a VHS rip. Onto a nice a little, DVD. Yeah, yeah, onto a DVD, a nice little slip. So it's absolute dog shit. but we had so much fun watching it it was brilliant because we just it's just fucking shit it's so shit that it's good that's i think that's that's all is it is it shit though we'll get on to that in a bit all right okay (laughs) so the 12 certificate i mean yeah definitely there's one fuck in this movie one swear word the clowns aren't that scary they no, got... but there is there is a lot of threat and there's there's a decapitation scene, which there's I thought oh, it's quite risky. I mean, I, I think it doesn't get a higher rating because it's the lack of blood. There's hardly any blood in the movie. So that's yeah, but when they uh, I suppose when they unveil the the candy floss, but it's not. It's more like a glaze than blood, isn't it? Yeah. So then this is gateway horror. Maybe, yeah. I mean, maybe. I mean, it is mega creepy. I wouldn't, yeah. I wouldn't show it to my kid, and she's like seven and a half. No I mean, chance. It's, again, it's Might got the creep, it's got the creepy factor because it's fucking clowns again. Mm. You know, so oh, you've got a clown phobia, then you you would hate this movie. Definitely, definitely. It's fucking great. It is great, but it's so fucking. It's, I put it's like on the lines of like um. Like the cheesiness of say Night of the Night of the Creeps, you know, sort of that level of like B movie esque, um, sort of a bit less than critters maybe, but the fucking practical effects are at the probably the practical effects in this are probably like top of the top of the class. The mm. fucking clowns are great. Yeah, it's brilliant. The clowns are great, they look great. Maybe they don't sound particularly great. <laughs> Some of the sounds that coming out of them are a bit fucking weird. Most of the stuff in this movie looks cool because, like, the sets 
and the backdrops and stuff it's just you can tell they must have spent so much time in doing all this shit because it it doesn't look mega 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 cheap and the effects are not for that time weren't like mega 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 shit it's like it might be look a bit crap to us now because of what we're used to but back then this was quite a big deal you know it's yeah do you know what the budget was on this 1.8 million two million all right depending on which site you use but two million mate all right split airs on 200 grand (laughs) two million (laughs) that's the budget wikipedia says 1.8 million (laughs) and they did you know what they didn't spend hardly anything on the clowns either really it would have been a big big wedge of the cash yeah because they made them all themselves with their own um, own because they own their own company, they used all they made the costumes and the well, the clowns all themselves. Most of their money was spent on the effects and um, the kind of sets and stuff. This movie, for whatever reasons, what now it's like 30, 30 odd years old, 30 years old, 30 years old now, yeah. And it's called. Yeah. Absolutely tanked when it came oh, out. Yeah. But it's got such a cold status. That's where it's basically come back. I mean, it's it's earned its budget tenfold with the amount of merchandise and stuff that's come out of it and the following it's got now. I wonder how much the bloody you know the writers the writers got. I bet Universal. The Universal laughing at. Well, it's MGM, wasn't it? It's MGM. So Fox. So Disney. So in effect, this movie. This is owned by Disney. What now? Must yes. Be, isn't it? Yeah, it will be. It will be because of the rights being sold. So actually, Disney owned Killer Clowns from Outer Space, which is why. That'd be why they were. At, uh, it got it got binned. Like hmm. they were going to do a they were going to do a sequel and they're going to do a TV show that was going to be on Sci-Fi, same as Critters. I'm glad it wasn't though, because I'd rather see kind of a movie, a new movie. Yeah, well, not, he's not do, a remake. He was going to do a free free partner. That's what he wanted to do. That's what I heard, yeah. Oh, Steven Chido. But it got binned along with the 200 projects that got when they came across to, when it came across to Disney. Mm. Fucking Disney. That's it. Anyway, let's get back to the actual movie. I'm boycotting Disney. (laughs) You'll never boycott Disney. They own you. Yeah. Um, But yeah, it's just full of cheesy one-liners, just cheese on toast all the way through. It's so daft. It's like the ultimate B movie. It's like if you think about like when we were watching like Banana Splits movie last year, mm. it's that it's that you know it's that level of cheese. That's definitely like taking things from it, isn't it? But I want all the merch. I want all the t-shirts. <laughs> they ever they do their t-shirts. The t-shirts do are sick. I mean, I'm, I'm sitting on a couple of. We said like a couple of years ago what we'd love to see toys wise, and like the fact that these are, we would make the best Funkos, and they do. They are probably the best Funkos in my collection. They look fucking awesome. They are cool. They're really good. But the mo- okay, movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What do you love about this movie, Matthew? Um, I love... Do you know what? I really like um, the kind of way they've been really brave with making it, like, and the way they've done it, and the way they fought. And I, re- I respect them way more, even more so now that I kind of watched all the extras on the Arrow disc, which are really good, by the way. Um, I watched all the extras just because I was like really interested to know where the idea came from, 
what they're all about, especially because they're like, they're all brothers. Like there's three of them. And this came from kind of their ideas and stuff like that. And their background's really interesting where they started. Like they literally started when they were like kids making stop go animation and they were brought up on like, you know, Ray Harryhausen things and um, films and all the old school stuff. And they made their own shit with their own cameras. And, and there's a whole documentary on it on the disc that you need to go and watch that shows them they've actually got footage of them actually making it making the movies and stuff which is quality um but yeah weren't they, weren't they heavily evolved in team america as well yeah yeah they were yeah, yeah they talk about that but you know these guys they they created the critters really yeah they, oh, they, 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 they created the critters basically made them themselves they, their company created and made them wow you can kind of see it with the animatronics kind of in, in the founds because they the way their lips and stuff move and their eyes so clever and it's Especially just like, the, the sort of jack-in-the-box ones yeah yeah really really cool and that's where like the the real i mean that's what i really like about this movie and i think kind of that's why it stands up now because the practical effects in it are still really good they don't look entirely shit yeah there's a couple of bits that you know that don't maybe stand up as well but I still think there's things in this film that stand up really well, like like the Jack in the Boxes. They they look really cool. I love um, that. <laughs> like the sets, um, the ending that we'll talk about later. Um, there's several things in this movie that are just great. But yeah, it's just like one of those movies being just like you can laugh at it, and it's, it doesn't matter. But it's cool as well. It's not. It's not utter shit like people go oh it's utter crap then the people that say it's utter crap they don't understand it the people that love this there's a reason why there's, the people love it yeah, it's not definitely. just because it's completely batshit uh, there are other things about it that are really really clever the acting in it is just awful though yeah oh god yeah <laughs> oh god yeah it's 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 so funny to watch apart I mean, from officer mooney because he's no funny. no mooney fucking set <laughs> the worst but then you're right though he's he's he does exactly what he wants what he's supposed to do he's a yeah. he's a dick you you're meant to think that he's a dick and he is very good at being a dick so there you go but he's so fucking over the top in like um getting that point across you know, when he comes in and roughs up those two, like, um, well, that's college probably what it was like, like, in those yeah. times that you got a cop that was used to kind of like 50s and 60s, well, 60s and 70s, where he's going around beating up hippies and shit. And then you're going into the 80s where you now get like punks and kind of like, you know, he's gonna, it's, it's, I know it's a bit of a typecast cop kind of thing, but you're gonna get those guys. And then you're going to get the new breed that come from the academy that that are like the hero. The, would you describe him as a hero cop? He hasn't got the charm as much as Tom Aiking has, but you know, <laughs> he, he is our hero. Would you, more so than the um, the other chap, Mike. Mike, yeah, more so than Mike. Um, and there's all the little triangle thing going on in the end because you know they're kind of at loggerheads, um, but they can't be really, and they. <laughs> And then the next thing you know, right at the end, they're hugging, having a freeway hug. I'd imagine, like, future. But 
I know, well, I know something about, I think it's Mike, so, how Mike's character was going to be used. Oh, right, okay. In the, uh, in the sort of, um, the movies going forward. They're going to have him as a bum, like a fucking town drunk. <laughs> and he was going to, like, train the next generation to defeat the clowns, as it were. So, although not, he didn't kill one clown, so I don't really know how that would work. It was all down to the cop shooting out the noses. I'm kind of glad they didn't go with that. Sounds a bit shit. <laughs> well, that's, yeah, okay. So let's talk about the, like, okay, so it's like some of the crazy deaths, <laughs> as it were, some of the crazy scenes, the standout scenes, the pizza delivery, the, 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 the chicken, uh, the, the, the unnecessarily woman, the 80s woman that answers the door in her negligee. No nipples, though. No nudity. There's no nudity in this. Even no. though there is a shower and a classic 80s shower scene, there is no nudity. On the disc, it says nudity and sex, mild. Where's the, where's the mildness? Is it, a be- is it a belly button or is it the negligee? Heavy petting in the backseat of a car in uh, a rubber dinghy. Yes, I suppose. Romping on, romping on a rubber dinghy. And of course, probably the... Yeah, Life hacks, there's one for you. Get a rubber dinghy in the back of your car. Probably one of the most standout scenes in the whole movie is the um, what you're going to do, knock my block off. That's probably one of the most, like, unforgettable. That's probably where it got its cult status from. That one scene alone, yeah. It's, it's ace. It's like the, the stupid, you know, town biker gang randomly in the most smallest town ever. There's shitloads of them fighting a little little clown. And you feel sorry for him because they trash his bike. Yeah, right, it's their fault. They trashed his bike, didn't they? So. He gets his little boxing gloves. <laughs> Fucking great. It's a great line. It's it's a great line. Um, that and the shadow puppet. <laughs> <laughs> That's, when I saw that, I was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> what? <laughs> it's so weird. Yeah. I want to know what they were smoking when they came up with that one, man. All these weird little, like, shadows and stuff like that, that he's supposedly making with his fingers <laughs> just ridiculous the, the, the dancing lady that was that was weird <laughs> and then suddenly but they love it they're loving it the, the crowd are, are loving it they think it's hilarious they're going crazy one of them boos him at one stage yeah oh, yeah <laughs> he starts doing it and he's like boo boo <laughs> it reminded me of simon at that stage <laughs> boo me boo me I want to know, can you get pied to death? Yes, because if it's acid pies, then yeah. <laughs> Is that what they were, acid pies? Well, yeah, because you see these bones. Because yeah. it's acid like pies, isn't it? Which, yeah. Which acid weird. pies. What is she supposed to be in? Is she in a balloon? Like when they capture... Debbie. Debbie. Girlfriend. Dave's girl, ex-girlfriend. Yeah, should they put her in one of those balloons? Like cheap and easy, I suppose, isn't it? Is that what it's meant to be? Meant to be though, an actual balloon? Do you think? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, well, balloon type thing. Yeah. That's, right. Yeah. Because yeah. the rest, because the rest of them are in cotton candy. Well, this is what makes me think a bit that I thought a bit weird is like they go and get her, right? And they get her, and they don't kill her. And they don't put her in cotton candy, but they think, hmm, we'll keep this one in a balloon. 
So what is the difference? What are they going to do with her? Well, they've kept a couple in balloons. There are no. work, others in balloons. Maybe they're the uh, little, rather than uh, suck, you know, put a crazy straw in them. Maybe they need to make more clowns. Oh, God. She's being used for something else. Oh, my word. <laughs> that's that's, that's going to be in the new, uh, new film. Baby what the, clowns. What about the ice cream jerks? <laughs> The most unfunny duo you've ever seen in your life. Oh, God. I don't know. What were they trying to be? Were they trying to be like John Belushi or something like that? I don't know. I think I read somewhere when I was doing my Matt's facts that they were actually, they are actually a comedy duo that, that they got from somewhere. Oh, it fell, it fell a bit flat for me. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was terrible, wasn't it? They, they weren't very good. No, in the ice cream bit where they come and interrupted everyone's fucking evening. <laughs> I know what we do. We're going to make out point and try and sell ice cream. But what we do, we won't do it subtly. We put on a big fucking megaphone. Oh, fucking hell. That was ridiculous. Good fun, though. <laughs> and I'm guessing they had their way with uh, those female clowns. Well, I don't think they had their way. I think the female clowns had their way with them by the looks of their clothes. I don't think they look bothered. <laughs> I think there was a bit of clown molestation going on there. Clown molestation. That, that's another weird bit. It's a bit strange, but yeah, I get it. But yeah, only one swear. But yeah, only one swear word in the whole movie. Fuck you. And that was from Dick Mooney, the police officer. It's fucking crazy and weird. The clowns are great. There's there's more than the four that are released. So yeah. we've got four Funkos released, but there's a you know a plethora. It's absolutely loads. I didn't. I, when we watched the the DVD, one thing I want to say is there were bits in the Blu-ray that I watched that were definitely not in the DVD. Absolutely not, and I can't remember that happening in the DVD that we watched. So I think the DVD must be a, a, a cut-down version uh, because there's things in this that I could not remember for the life of me. I was like, that, I'm sure that didn't happen. Well, some of the edits in the Blu-ray still was pretty fucking awful as well. It's the way it's edited. It's fucking, it's so fucking ropey. But that, adds, can, can. that adds, adds to the charm, I think. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, it's just like, it's just one crazy-ass movie. There ain't nothing like it out there. Nah. This, I think that's why it has such a big cult following. It's so colourful. It's so colourful. Because they're clowns. They're fucking weird clowns. Weird, weird looking clowns. That's it. And, and I there's think one that... dodgy bit. There was one dodgy bit that I, uh, in, a, in a weird way I really wanted to happen. That would have made it in 18. Is when he was trying to beckon the ch- the child outside when he had a hammer behind his fucking... That, that though, is one of, out of all the things is one of the creepiest things. It's just like, because he's out there, that as a child, if I watched that scene as I when I was a child, that would have freaked me out. I would have been like, that's so weird. He's literally the fact that your parents, he's trying to get you to come outside. And no matter how they were trying to get you outside, there's no way I would have left that freaking burger joint if I was a kid. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. But yeah, you think, you think, oh, my God, he's going to mallet her. It's just literally going to pulperize her with a mallet. I really thought it was going to happen. I reckon they maybe thought about it and they're like, no, nah, we can't do that. I'd never get away with it. Oh God, come on then, mate. I want to. The main thing is that about this is that I want to hear some Matt's fans. Well, before we go on that, can we just talk about Officer Mooney's death? Oh, go on. 
that was pretty graphic as well. We got Basically choked. Get, no, he gets turned into a freaking puppet. Oh, fucking hell, man. Yeah, I forgot about that. He's a little ventriloquist dummy, Literally, wasn't he? I don't know where his hand was, mate, but it you made know. a bit of a sound. You know where his hand was. <laughs> oh, my Lord. Anyway, yeah. Let's get on to some Matt's facts, mate. I got some I got some good Matt's facts today. I, I delved deep for this one. So, dare I even mention, we haven't even touched the soundtrack, which was absolutely epic by all means. Um... So I'll start off with the, uh, yeah. The Dickies obviously did the uh, main title song and a lot of music throughout as well. They recorded that on the 31st of October 1987. And when they were given the kind of like um, go ahead to do it, they weren't given any script, no visuals, just the title of the movie. <laughs> Said make a song. <laughs> but it's, how it's more up there. could it not fit in there with the movie? I mean, is this Perfect. a thing? I got a week, right? This, <laughs> sorry. This, this is a future episode, um, screen about, right? Movies that are movies with title soundtracks, with title songs. Because you've got this by the Dickies, right? Mm. Obviously, the Ramones were pegged to do Pet Cemetery. Yeah. But there's got to be more out there. So we need to, I'm going I'm to start doing a little bit of an investigation into this. Because oh, the Dicky, this Dicky song is fucking great. It's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Really I've never really seen, I've never seen them live. They play, they play the fucking um, uh, Rebellion Fest a, a few times, and I'm like, I wonder, I'd love to be like play Killer Clowns from Outer Space. <laughs> Apparently they do, because I, I watched an interview with them on on the Arrow disc, and they there are times where they've opened their sets with it, um, and they've done it kind of the first encore track, like when they come back out. So they um, do do it. That's awesome. But you could be down in front, mate. You could just be shouting that out every five <laughs> seconds. <clears throat> I bet they do it. So let's talk about Clownzilla. The end boss. King Clown. Which is awesome. Which still holds up, even though you, you can slightly tell that it's obviously a guy in a suit. And they've got a miniature van. But still, I still think it holds up. I think it looks I think really it's brilliant. Good. That was played by one of the Kudos brothers, Childs. He did it. He was like, can't bother to pay someone. I'm going to get in it. <laughs> so he did it to save on more money, which is great. Now, this is quite interesting. I didn't even realize this as I was looking for my facts. Now, Officer Mooney, if you remember rightly, says to Dave, oh, go ahead, Dave, you go and make a dummy out of yourself but you're definitely not going to make a dummy out of me. He foreshadows his death. Ooh, clever. That's intelligent writing, there. I didn't eh? even realise that. It's like, yeah, that is very intelligent, because obviously he becomes a puppet, a dummy. A puppet, dummy thing. So he fore, foreshadows his death, which is really cool, I thought. The most expensive thing on the whole shoot was apparently the popcorn gun. The popcorn gun? Yeah, that cost them the most. Is that, that the thing that, the, is that the thing that shoots out the rays? Yeah, it shoots okay. out the rays and the popcorn. I want one of them. Yeah, I, I bet they, I bet they do them eventually. The body count in this movie is forty, possibly, because I suppose there's more in the ship of all the townsfolk. They nab quite a few, and they all get blown up. Mm, exactly, exactly. So this, this was a quite an interesting fact. 
and I couldn't believe this, but it happens all the time. So there is, you remember the Ernest goes to movies. Ernest yeah. goes to camp. Ernest, Ernest, Ernest. There's one called Ernest Scared Stupid. I remember it. Oh, you remember it? Yeah. So do you recognise anything in it? The fucking clowns were reused. Yeah, the clowns yeah. were reused. In the, as trolls. Basically painted up as trolls. Amazing. The poor old clowns. Those amazing things were put in this shitty film to be reused again. <laughs> Destroyed. And also the ending. There was the ending was supposed to be the ending where Dave gets killed and blown up, and that was it. But apparently um, they went back, and the the company said, "No, you have to make it more upbeat." So that's where they come up with the idea that they hide in the uh, the little clown mobile, and they will come out and then get pied by pies. Now weren't they acid pies? So maybe well, they're dead. You say they're acid pies. I just don't understand. See, That's I where th- I think it just ends with him being pied. See, I think the next film should have them three characters in it, but they've all got fucking acid burns and half their faces have like married <laughs> off. <laughs> so they just come back. That makes it a lot fucking darker, yeah. And they decide, because they're so disfigured, they decide to open their own clown show. Okay. Yeah, hear me out there. Yeah. yeah Hollywood, I'm right need, here. You need to pitch that, yeah. Um, and that's it. That's all I got, mate. Oh, fucking great. I fucking... Loads, loads more, but yeah. Perfect movie. What are you rating it? Mate, it's got to be 10 breaths out of 10, mate. All day, every day. Okay. It's a 10 movie, and I don't think anyone's fucking going to get it. But it's a 10 movie, but it's and fucking have you got great. Any other, have you got any other views on it? Come at us. <laughs> awesome. Right, Matthew, it's your Paul, pick. It is my pick. So, I've got a bit of a doozy. I was going through all my collection. I was looking online. I was thinking, what can we do? What can we do? What can we do? And I think that it's finally time that we do the amazing Aliens. What? Aliens. Oh, my God. <laughs> I think it's the right time. Oh, we just had the date. The predominant date. Alien Day has just passed. So I think that we need to now finally do Aliens. That is fucking sick. Game over, man. Game over. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, my God. That's a fucking great pick. Good shout, man. It's got to be done. (laughs) It's fucking round of applause. I haven't got it. <laughs> oh, I, I got. I mean, that's fine though. I've been meaning to buy the um, quadrology for a oh, while. God. So I'm gonna have to go and buy them. I'm gonna buy Alien and Alien. I've got a copy. I haven't got a copy of Alien. I've got a copy of Aliens. I've just got by on watching other people's for fucking years. I'll probably watch them every once a year at least. Yeah. I'm gonna have to go and make a purchase finally. Woohoo! Woo! Right. That takes us on to our to the end of the another great episode. Hmm. And our next episode, we will be hopefully re- reviewing either Becky or The Lodge. Not both. Uh, something to about with his another lovely interview, which we'll let you know about in the future. And Matt has just pulled out of the vault 
Ridley Scott's Aliens. And there's only one more thing to say. When there's no more room in hell, here's another podcast. I am the devil, and I am here to do the devil's work. You can follow us on Twitter at DrawOneLast, Instagram at DrawOneLastBreath, or pop us an email at DrawOneLastBreathPod at Hotmail.com. <laughs>